0: Chapter Two, Part Two of Celebrated Crimes, Volume Three. Mary Stuart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dorothy Godfrey Smith. Celebrated Crimes, Volume Three. Mary Stewart. By Alexandre Dumas chapter two part two douglas's first idea had been to treat rizzio as the favourites of james the third had been treated at the bridge of lauder that is to say to make a show of having a trial and to hang him afterwards but such a death did not suffice for darnley's vengeance as above everything he wished to punish the queen in rizzio's person He exacted that the murder should take place in her presence. Douglas associated with himself Lord Ruthven, an idle and dissolute Sybarite, who under the circumstances promised to push his devotion so far as to wear a cuirass. Then, sure of this important accomplice, he busied himself with finding other agents however the plot was not woven with such secrecy but that something of it transpired and rizzio received several warnings that he despised sir james melville among others tried every means to make him understand the perils a stranger ran who enjoyed such absolute confidence in a wild jealous court like that of scotland Rizzio received these hints as if resolved not to apply them to himself, and Sir James Melville, satisfied that he had done enough to ease his conscience, did not insist further. Then a French priest who had a reputation as a clever astrologer got himself admitted to Rizzio and warned him that the stars predicted that he was in deadly peril and that he should beware of a certain bastard above all. Rizzio replied that from the day when he had been honoured with his sovereign's confidence, he had sacrificed in advance his life to his position, that since that time, however, he had had occasion to notice that in general the Scotch were ready to threaten but slow to act, that, as to the bastard referred to, who was doubtless the earl of murray he would take care that he should never enter scotland far enough for his sword to reach him were it as long as from dumfries to edinburgh which in other words was as much as to say that murray should remain exiled in england for life since dumfries was one of the principal frontier towns meanwhile the conspiracy proceeded and douglas and ruthven having collected their accomplices and taken their measures came to darnley to finish the compact as the price of the bloody service they rendered the king they exacted from him a promise to obtain the pardon of murray and the nobles compromised with him in the affair of the run in every sense darnley granted all they asked of him and a messenger was sent to Murray to inform him of the expedition in preparation, and to invite him to hold himself in readiness to re-enter Scotland at the first notice he should receive. Then, this point settled, they made Darnley sign a paper in which he acknowledged himself the author and chief of the enterprise. The other assassins were the Earl of Morton, the earl of ruthven george douglas the bastard of angus lindley and andrew carew the remainder were soldiers simple murderers tools who did not even know what was afoot darnley reserved it for himself to appoint the time two days after these conditions were agreed upon Darnley, having been notified that the queen was alone with Rizzio, wished to make himself sure of the degree of her favor enjoyed by the minister. He accordingly went to her apartment by a little door of which he always kept the key upon him. But, though the key turned in the lock, the door did not open. Then Darnley knocked, announcing himself but such was the contempt into which he had fallen with the queen that mary left him outside although supposing she had been alone with rizzio she would have had time to send him away darnley driven to extremities by this summoned morton ruthven lennox lindley and douglas's bastard and fixed the assassination of rizzio for two days later they had just completed all the details and had distributed the parts that each must play in this bloody tragedy when suddenly and at the moment when they least expected it the door opened and mary stuart appeared on the threshold my lords said she your holding these secret counsels is useless i am informed of your plots and with god's help I shall soon apply a remedy. With these words, and before the conspirators had time to collect themselves, she shut the door again, and vanished like a passing but threatening vision. All remained thunderstruck. Morton was the first to find his tongue. My lords, said he, this is a game of life and death. And the winner will not be the cleverest, or the strongest, but the readiest. If we do not destroy this man, we are lost. We must strike him down, this very evening, not the day after tomorrow." Everyone applauded, even Ruthven, who, still pale and feverish from riotous living, promised not to be behindhand. The only point changed on Morton's suggestion was that the murder should take place next day, for, in the opinion of all, not less than a day's interval was needed to collect the minor conspirators, who numbered not less than five hundred. The next day, which was Saturday, March ninth, fifteen sixty six mary stuart who had inherited from her father james v a dislike of ceremony and the need of liberty had invited to supper with her six persons rizzio among the number darnley informed of this in the morning immediately gave notice of it to the conspirators telling them that he himself would let them into the palace between six and seven o'clock in the evening the conspirators replied that they would be in readiness. The morning had been dark and stormy, as nearly all the first days of spring are in Scotland, and towards evening the snow and wind redoubled in depth and violence. So Mary had remained shut up with Rizzio, and Darnley, who had gone to the secret door several times, could hear the sound of instruments and the voice of the favorite who was singing these sweet melodies which have come down to our time and which Edinburgh people still attribute to him these songs were for mary a reminder of her stay in france where the artists in the train of the medicis had already brought echoes from italy but for darnley they were an insult AND EACH TIME HE HAD WITHDRAWN, STRENGTHENED IN HIS DESIGN. AT THE APPOINTED TIME THE CONSPIRATORS, WHO HAD BEEN GIVEN THE PASSWORD DURING THE DAY, KNOCKED AT THE PALACE-GATE, AND WERE RECEIVED THERE SO MUCH THE MORE EASILY THAT DARNLEY HIMSELF, WRAPPED IN A GREAT CLOAK, awaited THEM AT THE POSTERN BY WHICH THEY WERE ADMITTED the five hundred soldiers immediately stole into an inner courtyard where they placed themselves under some sheds as much to keep themselves from the cold as that they might not be seen on the snow-covered ground a brightly lighted window looked into this courtyard it was that of the queen's study at the first signal given them from this window the soldiers were to break in the door and go to the help of the chief conspirators these instructions given darnley led morton ruthven lennox lindley andrew carew and douglas's bastard into the room adjoining the study and only separated from it by a tapestry hanging before the door from there one could overhear all that was being said and at a single bound fall upon the guests darnley left them in this room enjoining silence then giving them as a signal to enter the moment when they should hear him cry to me douglas he went round by the secret passage so that seeing him come in by his usual door the queen's suspicions might not be roused by his unlooked-for visit Mary was at supper with six persons, having, say and Melville, Rizzio, seated on her right, while, on the contrary, Carapton assures us that he was eating standing at a sideboard. The talk was gay and intimate, for all were giving themselves up to the ease one feels at being safe and warm, at a hospitable board, while the snow is beating against the windows, and the wind roaring in the chimneys. Suddenly Mary, surprised that the most profound silence had succeeded to the lively and animated flow of words among her guests since the beginning of supper, and suspecting from their glances that the cause of their uneasiness was behind her, turned round and saw Darnley leaning on the back of her chair. The queen shuddered for although her husband was smiling when looking at rizzio this smile had assumed such a strange expression that it was clear that something terrible was about to happen at the same moment mary heard in the next room a heavy dragging step draw near the cabinet then the tapestry was raised and lord ruthven in armour of which he could barely support the weight pale as a ghost appeared on the threshold and drawing his sword in silence leaned upon it the queen thought he was delirious what do you want my lord she said to him and why do you come to the palace like this ask the king madam "'replied Ruthven in an indistinct voice. "'It is for him to answer. "'Explain, my lord,' Mary demanded, "'turning again towards Darnley. "'What does such a neglect of ordinary propriety mean?' "'It means, madam,' returned Darnley, pointing to Rizzio, "'that that man must leave here this very minute.' that man is mine my lord mary said rising proudly and consequently takes orders only from me to me douglas cried darnley at these words the conspirators who for some moments had drawn nearer ruthven fearing so changeable was darnley's character lest he had brought them in vain and would not dare to utter the signal At these words, the conspirators rushed into the room with such haste that they overturned the table. Then David Rizzio, seeing that it was he alone they wanted, threw himself on his knees behind the queen, seizing the hem of her robe and crying in Italian, Giustizia! Giustizia! Indeed, the queen, true to her character, not allowing herself to be intimidated by this terrible eruption, placed herself in front of Rizzio and sheltered him behind Her Majesty. But she counted too much on the respect of a nobility accustomed to struggle hand-to-hand with its kings for five centuries. Andrew Carew held a dagger to her breast, and threatened to kill her if she insisted on defending any longer him whose death was resolved upon then darnley without consideration for the queen's pregnancy seized her round the waist and bore her away from rizzio who remained on his knees pale and trembling while douglas's bastard confirming the prediction of the astrologer had warned rizzio to beware of a certain bastard drawing the king's own dagger plunged it into the breast of the minister who fell wounded but not dead morton immediately took him by the feet and dragged him from the cabinet into the larger room leaving on the floor that long track of blood which is still shown there then arrived there each rushed upon him as upon a quarry and set upon the corpse which they stabbed in fifty-six places meanwhile darnley held the queen who thinking that all was not over did not cease crying for mercy but Ruthven came back paler than at first and at darnley's inquiry if rizzio were dead he nodded in the affirmative Then, as he could not bear further fatigue in his convalescent state, he sat down, although the queen, whom Darnley had at last released, remained standing on the same spot. At this, Mary could not contain herself. My lord, cried she, who has given you permission to sit down in my presence, and whence comes such insolence? madam ruthven answered i act thus not from insolence but from weakness for to serve your husband i have just taken more exercise than my doctors allow then turning round to a servant give me a glass of wine said he showing darnley his bloody dagger before putting it back in its sheath for here is the proof that i have well earned it the servant obeyed and ruthven drained his glass with as much calmness as if he had just performed the most innocent act my lord the queen then said taking a step towards him it may be that as i am a woman in spite of my desire and my will I never find an opportunity to repay you what you are doing to me but she added energetically striking her womb with her hand he whom i bear there and whose life you should have respected since you respect my majesty so little will one day revenge me for all these insults then with a gesture at once superb and threatening she withdrew by Darnley's door, which she closed behind her. At that moment a great noise was heard in the Queen's room. Huntley, Athol, and Bothwell, who we are soon about to see play such an important part in the sequel of this history, were supping together in another hall of the palace, when suddenly they had heard outcries and the clash of arms, so that they had run with all speed. When Athol, who came first, without knowing whose it was, struck against the dead body of Rizzio, which was stretched at the top of the staircase, they believed, seeing someone assassinated, that the lives of the king and queen were threatened, and they had drawn their swords to force the door that Morton was guarding. But directly Darnley understood what was going on, he darted from the cabinet, followed by Ruthven, and showing himself to the newcomers. My lords, he said, the persons of the queen and myself are safe, and nothing has occurred here but by our orders. Withdraw then, you will know more about it in time. As to him, he added, holding up Rizzio's head by the hair. Whilst the bastard of Douglas lit up the face with a torch so that it could be recognized, you see who it is, and whether it is worth your while to get into trouble for him. And in fact, as soon as Huntley, Athol, and Bothwell had recognized the musician minister, they sheathed their swords and, having saluted the king, went away mary had gone away with a single thought in her heart vengeance but she understood that she could not revenge herself at one and the same time on her husband and his companions she set to work then with all the charms of her wit and beauty to detach the king from his accomplices it was not a difficult task when that brutal rage which often carried darnley beyond all bounds was spent he was frightened himself at the crime he had committed and while the assassins assembled by murray were resolving that he should have that greatly desired crown matrimonial darnley as fickle as he was violent and as cowardly as he was cruel in mary's very room before the scarcely dried blood made another compact in which he engaged to deliver up his accomplices indeed three days after the event that we have just related the murderers learned a strange piece of news that darnley and mary accompanied by lord satan had escaped together from Holyrood palace three days later still a proclamation appeared signed by mary and dated from dunbar which summoned round the queen in her own name and the king's all the scottish lords and barons including those who had been compromised in the affair of the run in every sense to whom she not only granted full and complete pardon but also restored her entire confidence in this way she separated murray's cause from that of morton and the other assassins who in their turn seeing that there was no longer any safety for them in scotland fled to england where all the queen's enemies were always certain to find a warm welcome in spite of the good relations which reigned in appearance between mary and elizabeth as to bothwell had wanted to oppose the assassination he was appointed warden of all the marches of the kingdom unfortunately for her honour mary always more the woman than the queen while on the contrary elizabeth was always more the queen than the woman had no sooner regained her power than her first royal act was to exhume rizzio who had been quietly buried on the threshold of the chapel nearest Holyrood palace and to have him removed to the burial-place of the scottish kings compromising herself still more by the honours she paid him dead than by the favour she had granted him living such an imprudent demonstration naturally led to fresh quarrels between mary and darnley these quarrels were the more bitter that as one can well understand the reconciliation between the husband and wife at least on the latter's side had never been anything but a pretense so that feeling herself in a stronger position still on account of her pregnancy she restrained herself no longer and leaving darnley she went from dunbar to edinburgh castle Where on June nineteenth, fifteen sixty six, three months after the assassination of Rizzio, she gave birth to a son who afterwards became James the Sixth. End of chapter two, part two. Recording by Dorothy Godfrey Smith.